You know, sometimes you got to learn to love what's good for you. You know what I mean? Hello and welcome to Charlie Swan's Toxic Turn-Ons, a podcast where I'm interrogating my friends about their wildest fantasies and favorite toxic tropes based in romantic fiction. Today, we're talking about what exactly makes a fantasy toxic with my very good friend, Liv. Liv is an artist and adventurer who is very brave in love. I'm excited for you to hear her lived perspective on what really makes love and fantasy toxic and when dark fantasies can actually be really healing. So today we have Liv. Hello. Liv is my best friend of a long time, probably about six years now. She's a painter, and I chose you for this episode because you're not really a reader. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I, I really don't read. Yeah. Um, I'll listen to audiobooks, and I'll read here and there, but I'm not an avid reader whatsoever. And you don't really, like, like you... I don't enjoy it. Right, and you also don't... Like, you don't read romance, and when, like, you fantasize, it's not really, like, you don't think of a fictional character or, like, like a certain, like, you're not a Mr. Darcy girl or anything. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. (laughs) You're the farthest you can get from, like, an English girl. Yes. (laughs) I thought that you would be good for episode zero because, like, this is a community of people, like, romance readers people who love certain romantic tropes and erotica tropes. I feel like we've all read the same things and a lot of us understand the tropes that we see over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, And two people, I feel like a conversation is much more interesting between two people who are coming from a different perspective, especially when you're trying to explain the concept of something. but anyways, yeah. <laughs> so really what I'm interested in the show is less like, oh, you've read a Kotar mm-hmm. and more like, how do you feel when you read a Kotar or you read these huge romance novels or these certain romance tropes that people seem to love so much because people go feral over them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have a very different experience when you read things like that. You, like, don't really like it, right? I don't particularly like it. I have tried to like it. I read, like, Twilight as a child, and, like, I read a lot as a child, and those books were fun to me, but I never, like, saw myself really in those characters or, like, fantasized myself, fantasized as if, like, I was part of that world. Um I feel like a lot of the way that I think is very much in this world or ones that I make up myself rather than ones that other people have written. That's interesting. Do you think that you, so do you, when you put yourself into certain like fantastical scenarios Mm -hmm. or fantasize, is it sometimes in a fantastical world of your creation? Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. That's... Like dreamscapes almost, but like I can remember my dreams, and so like if I close my eyes now, I can like see the places that I've been in my dreams. Oh, that's really cool. So you that almost... don't actually exist, or like maybe do, but I've never actually been to in this life. Okay. Or world. So you don't really need the medium of like fantasy or romance. I guess so. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the 
concept of the show is, like I said, to understand how women feel, mostly women. I don't talk to a lot of men, to be honest, so it's going to be a lot of women at first. Mostly women read. It's like actually a fact. A, a fact. It's like a big thing these days is that it's hard to sell novels to men. Mm -hmm. You're mostly selling novels to women, which is why mm -hmm. romance is the top category by by half. So mm -hmm. the next most common, like the next most popular category of book is crime and mystery. Mm -hmm. And it's half as like many sales as romance. So wow, romance okay. is double that. Wow. It's huge. It's such popular phenomenon. Um, and Twilight is one of them. So the name of the podcast is really derived from, I read Twilight. I love Twilight. I think that so much of my sexuality and what I find attractive is was really heavily influenced by like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> But like vampire romance and, mm -hmm. and these romance tropes and so I remember reading Twilight. I was Team Edward. And I also read Twilight again again when I was in college. Mm -hmm. I would, took this young adult fiction course and we read Twilight and we actually like broke it down from like a literary critical point of view, which is the first time I'd ever done something like that with a book that wasn't like high culture English canon, mm -hmm. you know, like Pride and Prejudice. And it was really interesting because I was like oh, this makes sense. It makes sense why I had such a strong reaction to this because the author engineered it to be so. Mm -hmm. But as an adult, Charlie Swan is, I think, a really sort of positive... I wish everyone had a Charlie Swan. And I intend to sort of be Charlie Swan mm -hmm. when it comes to these conversations. So basically, like, you did read Twilight, right? Yeah. Do you remember Charlie at all? Or? Bella's dad. I remember the mustache from the movies. <laughs> you remember the mustache from the movies? <laughs> he was very, um, from what I remember of the books, I have a really bad memory, especially around like my teen years. However, from what I do remember, I feel like he was very supportive and very much like, no, Bella, let me protect you. And then realized he kind of couldn't and then supported her anyways. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> I think... One, I always say, like, when it comes to my girlfriends, and I have a lot of them, one of the best things you can do is not police your friends' decisions, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to toxic love affairs or bad mm -hmm. boyfriends. Like, unless a girl is really, really in harm's way, I will often just say nothing mm -hmm. because it's just, you know, so people need to go through things, and I think that people need to see things through the way that they feel they have to, like mm -hmm. they need to make their own decisions. And I feel like Charlie knew, knew that and thought that, like mm -hmm. as a father, mm -hmm. but he's not really a great father figure to be honest. He's not necessarily, but I do think the thing of like unconditional love and support is there. Whereas like in a lot of other books or even like culture in general, I think a lot of love is very conditional. Yeah, like I think in, a you know, a father, a lot of other fathers might have, like, chastised her or, like, mm -hmm. locked her in her room or been really controlling, as a lot of fathers are with their daughters and relationships. And instead, he acknowledges, like, you have to make your own decisions. And a little bit, there is this context of him being, like, I've been there. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's where the Charlie Swan's toxic turn-ons happen is, like, it's clear that there's this backstory of he was so in love with her mother and it was so bad for him. And eventually, like, he just had to learn to let it go. But you can sort of see as he as Bella's going through this relationship with Edward that he's witnessing it and being like, oh, you're a mirror right now. 
Yeah. yeah. Like, I've been there, and I know that I had to go through that in order to, like, find this quiet little life I have now. So you have to make your own decisions and see that out. And I think that that's, like, really the most generous thing you can do for someone you care about mm -hmm. is just being like, you have to make your own decisions, and I will just be here while you do that. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's also experienced wanting something really toxic, mm -hmm. and so have you and I. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's another reason I feel like I feel like wanting and experiencing toxic love, almost rightfully so, is very out of fashion these days. Yes. I have a lot of friends and know a lot of women who their immediate reaction to having a bad boyfriend or being in something a little toxic is like... Break well, up with him. Yeah. Dump yep. his ass. Yep. But I think we both share a bit of a different perspective on that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like when it comes to that from firsthand knowledge, <laughs> um, people are going to make the decisions they want to make and kind of believe what they want to believe until otherwise. Um, and I think it's also really hard to throw something away if it's there, honestly. Right, if you like, have feelings you, about something. Yes, if you're passionate about something or somebody, it's hard to throw it away if you feel like you're not sure what's on the other side. Um, or if you just like aren't ready to like if you know like oh i'll be fine after this regardless or maybe i won't or whatever your thing is i think in the moment it's it's hard to do that if you feel any kind of way right and if you don't have experience in doing it i think mm -hmm. you only know how to say no to something if you've said yes to it before i think we both because we've been friends for a long time now we've both seen each other through this a couple of times mm -hmm. in reality and again part of I do think that fantasy informs reality, even if it doesn't reflect reality. Mm -hmm. So all of these romance tropes that women are so attached to and, and feel so passionately about, and it makes them feel very strong emotion, I do think that it's sort of replacing this experience they have not had and this experience that they feel that they want to have. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's mirroring an experience that they have had. And with me, I have had this experience a couple times and maybe I haven't learned my lesson yet. Maybe I'll have it again, maybe I won't. But I do think that there is value in examining why we do want certain toxic things and why we are attracted to certain things. And when I say toxic, we'll get into this, mm. I mean it's not the long-lasting, pure, sustainable love that I think we should land on. Mm -hmm. Because life isn't about landing somewhere, it's about being in transient experiences and learning from them. Uh, and I also think that's why romance tropes are so like seductive because you can move through the experience without the consequences. Mm -hmm. So when I say toxic, I mean something that probably shouldn't last. I don't mean something that is genuine, ge genuinely, genuinely like harmful that like you can't come back from the consequences mm -hmm. of. So I'm not encouraging women in any way to harm themselves in ways that they can't come back from mm -hmm. or, or ways that are irrevocable. Uh, and that is real and women experience that. But I do mean that like love is very complicated and it's okay to be attracted to and want things that shouldn't last in your life. But I'm the whole point of this episode is to sort of ask you, someone who I think has had a lot of experiences of sort of being brave in love and diving in. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. <laughs> being brave in love and like 
just saying like, yes, even though you know that there are elements there <laughs> that could be very hurtful at mm -hmm. some point. And also like maybe wanting that a little bit, that mm -hmm. pain. Uh, so I'm curious like what your definition of toxic is. I think my defini definition of toxic is, it, I think it depends on your intent and the intent behind the choice that you're making. Um, I think when it comes to love or romance or just like experiences that you choose to have that are um, sexual or just like romantic or just like getting to know somebody, um, I think the intent behind it is what makes it toxic or not. So if you are going into something with like I think going into something with the knowledge of, oh, I might be hurt in the same way I was hurt before, or going into something like, oh, I see this red flag, but I'm going to do it anyways, I think that's fine in my opinion, and I've been in those situations, and I have fallen in love with people like that. Um, and like, have I been bamboozled after the fact? Absolutely. But like, it was still worth it, and I did it anyways, and I had a good time in the, in the meantime. Um, so yeah, I think, but on the other hand, if you're going into something being like, I deserve to suffer, then mm -hmm. to me that is toxic. Or I'm going into this because I'm going to make somebody else suffer, and it's not just like a sexual kink thing that's very explicit and in a contained space, mm -hmm. I think that is toxic. I see. So it seems like your definition of toxic is very much like a fine line of, is this complicated? or am I trying to hurt myself? Exactly. Right. Um, and for me, if it's complicated, I will typically, if I feel like it's worth it, go for it anyways. Um, but if I see myself, um, even an interaction like I had recently, I like met up with this guy <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I could tell from the start, like he was a decent person, but like, what we were looking for was very different um and had I chosen to like put myself and those thoughts aside to like essentially hook up with this kid <laughs> um not kid he was a full ass adult but <laughs> to be clear um but he was acting mad childish anyways um if I had put myself aside to like pursue that I think it would have been harmful to me because like putting myself aside is something that I'm working on and like makes me a better person when I don't do that. Mm -hmm. And like is an area of growth that I'm specifically focusing on just in my life overall, not just in love, but like also there too. Um, so I think had I done that, that would have been toxic for me, even if that's not something that he would have been aware of, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so yeah, I think it truly just comes back to like, if you see yourself in a situation and it's very clear that like you are about to harm yourself in a small way but like meaningful enough to you or just like maybe it's huge obviously like there's there's a whole spectrum of it but I think um yeah I don't know just know yourself don't do it if you feel like it's it's gonna hurt you but do you think you learned to identify? You said that's something I'm working on. Do you yeah. think you've learned to identify when to say no because you have in the past said yes? Um, I think yes. I think the example that I just gave, I would have said yes to in the past, hmm. like a hundred percent. Right. Like even like 
probably two years ago or a year ago, I probably would have said yes to it, that situation, mm -hmm. despite knowing from the get-go, like, this isn't going anywhere and I don't know if I'll have a good time regardless. Right. So there was nothing there for you. You're right. like, I know there's nothing here for me. I've done this before. Exactly. I it's don't an experience need I've already had. And like, I'm grateful for those experiences that I've already had that were like, maybe not so great or like just fine. Mm -hmm. um, or even experiences that I've been like, ew, I feel yucky after this. Um, sexually, but also just like in love. Like, oh, I just like, that was looking back like that was trash <laughs> um I think those experiences are super necessary to get to a better place to make like better decisions and ones that are less harmful and toxic to you right I think also like you know I we live in New York City and New York I feel like it's just a very it's a very sexually active city <laughs> it <and> is <laughs> most of the women I know here date a lot have dated a lot have had a lot of experiences and that's not always something I feel like women in cities that aren't this big like have access to mm -hmm. so like romance is historically like the the mom genre like you know people who might have not had as many like wild and tumble like sort of crazy fantasy experiences really love these stories and these mm -hmm. books and I do sort of think that like the necessity for friction is just storytelling. You know, you can't just read some a story where nothing bad ever happens mm -hmm. and there's no conflict. But most romance novels do get the criticism that like this would be toxic in real life. But I don't think they're trying to offer us real life. Like I said, I think fantasy informs reality, but it does not reflect reality. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think that like maybe I think that examining why we are drawn to something toxic, whether it's in fantasy or whether it's in real life, like it seems you have done, mm -hmm. is like so, so valuable right. in learning who you are. So I think the common opinion that I'm sort of trying to move away from with this podcast is that you shouldn't do anything bad for you ever. Mm -hmm. My sort of thesis is that like, clearly we all want it and the desire is there like we have to acknowledge that mm -hmm. um so and it's nothing to be ashamed about right <laughs> which women generally are a lot of times right. with these and, like, books not only that but also just like society and just you know everything Every about the way that we live and where we live is made to feel shameful shameful yeah. especially for women and sexuality and what yes. we want and and so i think that the criticism which twilight does receive a lot is that it's toxic is unfair because it's like okay like have you ever have you never made a mistake in your life like have mm -hmm. you never experienced something that wasn't supposed to last i think that that's just like a really unfair and like not productive way to look at life so yeah it seems very reductive yeah so i'm just trying to show that like romance tropes turn us on for a reason and they're kind of not always the most healthiest, friction-free, long-lasting love for a reason. Mm. And sometimes that does inform reality in a way that some women might need to try. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that there's definitely this stereotype of the girl who is sometimes me to an extent, who like reads romance so much and never really gets to experience that in real life, like is experiencing love through these novels um, and these characters. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, 
bringing a little bit of that desire into your real life, even if it's not going to last and you do end up like sleeping with a musician who you never speak to again, <laughs> like maybe you need that. You know, right. I think a lot of women need that. And maybe that's why romance is so popular. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, I think like I do agree with your definition of toxic, but I also think that you have a very evolved definition of toxic. <laughs> Thank you. And sort of what I'm trying to say is like there is nothing off limits in fantasy. Like mm -hmm. if you're into something that you think other people would think is super screwed up, like that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> like you shouldn't be ashamed of that. And if your love life is a mess and people in your life keep telling you to stop, like examine that without shame. Like, yeah, I keep doing this. Like, don't just you know, be like, yeah, I suck. I need to stop doing this. I have no respect for yourself. Be mm -hmm. like, yeah, I do want this thing that's bad for me. I really genuinely want it with real emotion and desire. Mm -hmm. Why do I like that? Why? And also, can I have that in a safe way or a way mm -hmm. that like protects myself too? Right. Because you can have it all. Maybe not yeah. all at once, but like you can have it all. Right. So. And I do think that in a, to a certain extent, romance is a safe way to experience things that, you know, you might not have access to or you also just aren't sure you're ready to experience in real life. Like, not mm -hmm. everybody's ready to get their heart stomped on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so reading about it is is a way to sort of access it, the light version. Mm -hmm. So essentially what I'm saying is I don't think that desires that are toxic should be associated with any shame or should be, like, hidden. We're trying to bring it all into the light here. <laughs> but you say you don't really have, like, ro like a story or a book or a novel or a movie character that you fantasize about or are attracted to? Not really. I do watch movies and like, I don't know, I, I do read sometimes that I do watch movies, but I definitely don't have like this one person or one character that I think about. Mm -hmm. But you do still have fantasies. Yes, of course. <laughs> and you do have somewhat toxic ones. I do. And I'm curious to know like if there is one that you'd be willing to share. Yeah. So for sexual fantasies, I think one that I feel like is definitely a little bit toxic is recreating moments where I've been hurt during sex, um, either physically or emotionally or for like whatever reason and recreating them and doing it better, like to almost fix the mistake or like not a mistake that necessarily I've made, but just like the thing that like made me feel bad or yucky. Mm -hmm. I'd like to go back to those places, not necessarily with the same person, because I think that specifically would be toxic for like various reasons. There's the line. <laughs> yeah, that's the line. Um, and I think like if you're in a loving relationship and like had sex and like it was bad for you or something and then like you want to do it again, like I think that's a different story, but I'm talking about scenarios where like I'm either no longer with that person or that person and I were like never together. Um, but I think recreating these moments and making them better is something that's definitely toxic um, considering like there was a level of hurt involved. Mm. Um, but I think more than that being toxic, I think for me that these situations and like recreating them would, them would be healing for me. Mm. And it's not, the fantasy is not too... But when you fantasize about it, mm -hmm. is it the same partner? No, it's typically not the same partner. Um, it's typically because like there are like two specific scenarios that I'm like imagining, and one of them was an experience where SA was involved, and then <laughs> trigger warning, yeah. and then the other experience was just with an ex 
where I was more or less triggered. Mm. And I just like, and then like it all went downhill from there. Right. So I think to recreate both of those moments where I feel more empowered, but also with better partners or a better partner that like, uh, I guess like sees me more than those partners have mm. or like is willing to do that with me. And like there's a level of like more trust involved because both of those experiences happened when I was um, in my teens. Mm. So I would want to recreate those moments now as like an adult. I'm only 24 now, so it's like not so much older, but um, one of them's like almost a decade apart. Yeah. So like that memory do be running deep. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, recreating those experiences with a new partner is I think honestly, it's it's one I've heard before. Mm -hmm. This fantasy, the I to be to fantasize about an experience that was bad, Mm -hmm. but instead to have it again and it feel good. Yeah, I think a lot of BDSM is rooted in that. Right. Um, Like how to make pain pleasurable, or like I think that's kind of where I'm stemming from here, more so on like an emotional level than a physical one. But yeah. I know, like, that can exhibit itself in a more physical way, too. Yeah, I... See, to me, that sounds sticky. Mm-hmm. And I think if you... With the wrong partner, that could go so south. Like, yeah. And I know that. Right. Stick- which is why I'm not doing it yet. But healing. But like, yes. Sticky. Yeah. But if it went well and you knew... And you knew you were with someone who you could really trust to, like, enact this mm-hmm. with you, it sounds Sexual like... Sexual revolution. Right! Yeah. And that's what I'm really getting at, is, like, maybe not everybody would have the same like such a positive reaction to Mm -hmm. you wanting to reenact something that was really genuinely harmful to you in the past and Mm -hmm. maybe even men would have like a ah reaction to that but if you're like willing to go there with someone who really trusts you and respects you and is not going to harm you like I really I get it like Mm -hmm. that because you know I feel like you know in shades many shades of gray (laughs) haha Uh, a lot of women have experienced, so many women have experienced being harmed in a, in a sexual capacity from just small emotional things to mm-hmm. really, really big physical things that they've had to get over. And it seems like being able to revisit that moment, like with somebody who you know, without a doubt, is not going to harm you. Like, mm-hmm. it seems like it would really be able to maybe like close a door on something. Um, I think that's the hope and like that's the wish with the fantasy because I think with fantasy there's always like a wish involved or like mm. a desire that like is deeper than just like, oh, I just want this thing. And I think for me that would be that, like closing a door almost. And that's the podcast. That's the idea yeah. is that deep down like, our toxic fantasies and the things we want that are a little sticky and you're like, oh, that's complicated. That's not just the prince and the white knight and his shining armor. Like, that's coming from somewhere real that, like, I've experienced and, like, that really reflects something that I've been through and has changed me as a human. Like, that's that's it, man. That's what we're trying to get here. So I think yeah. that's it. <laughs> Yay. I'm so excited to listen to the rest of the podcast. Thank you so much. This of is such course. a good first episode. Come back for the next episode, which is going to be another friend of mine. And we will be discussing Draco Malfoy fantasies. Yikes. Thank you so much for listening to Charlie Swan's Toxic Turn-Ons. Tune in next week to hear me and another friend chat about the Draco talk phenomenon. For extended show notes that include reading, watching, and listening recommendations, as well as an episode-related journal prompt, subscribe to my Substack below!